0: It's a scene that those of you who drive a car will be all too familiar with. You're driving down the road, and there is a sign that lets you know that ahead of you there are roadworks. They're a mile away yet, but alongside the roadworks sign, there's another one that tells you that in a mile's time, the lane that you are driving in will be closed the lane to your left will still be open. At some point in the next mile, you're going to have to move across. But it's a mile away yet, so you carry on. And in not very long, there's another sign. It's exactly the same as the first. But now those roadworks are only half a mile away. And you carry on a bit further and in the distance you see another sign approaching which tells you that the lane that you are in will be closed in 800 yards. Being the good Christian that you are, you mirror, signal, manoeuvre, pull over into the left-hand lane. And you look in your mirror and you grit your teeth as a whole stream of cars fly past you down that lane that's about to close in 600 yards, 400 yards, 200 yards and ahead of you, you see that joyous struggle that always takes place as all the cars that are in your lane suddenly discover that they are able to drive just one inch from the bumper and the car in front because there's no way they are getting into my lane in front of me. Are you good at waiting? Can you wait patiently? I've got three points this evening. Here's number one Patience is a Christian grace. Patience is a Christian grace. Let me read a few thoughts on this issue from the scriptures. You've got all the references on the screen behind me. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Paul talks about eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory and honour and immortality. Patient endurance, continuance. Later on in Romans he says this, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. When Paul is giving advice and help and counsel to Timothy, who's a much younger pastor than he, he gives this advice to his young son in the faith. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, 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 Patient. Timothy, you will have to tell them again and again and again. And there'll still be those who don't get it. And you'll have to tell them again. Gently. Patiently. James writes to everyone who's a Christian Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Patience is a Christian grace. This is really important to grasp if you're a Christian. As you've heard me say many times, Christian character ranks even above gifting or aptitude the kind of person that you are is far more important than any of the things you can do and when it comes to something like being patient perhaps you can often be tempted to say but that's just not me that's just not the kind of personality that God has given me well Perhaps not in your old sinful condition. But the Bible teaches that patience or being long-suffering, which is another way that the Bible sometimes talks about it, it's clearly taught as being one of the graces that is produced as the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. That's Galatians 5, 22 one of the things that the Holy Spirit produces in everyone who names Christ is long-suffering, patience. And because of that, we read this in Colossians. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You have the power of God within you as a Christian. What is one of the reasons that God puts his power within you? It's so that you can have patience and long-suffering with joy. When he's writing to the Thessalonian church, Paul says, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your... Guess what the first thing is he mentions? Patience. We boast about you as a church because you are patient and you have faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He tells Timothy in the first letter, pursue, pursue, go after, actively make this yours, righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, gentleness. James actually says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's something we are to grow in. As with all of these graces, we don't just suddenly have them all in the the proportion that we're supposed to have them. We grow in these things. The testing of your faith produces patience. Patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Take the prophets as an example, he says, thinking back into the Old Testament. They spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. And there's an almost equal number of similar references where the word long-suffering is used instead of the word patience. And why is this so important? We live in an age today when, if you cannot get something immediately, if you cannot have it on demand, it is frowned upon, it is seen as obsolete and vastly inferior. What? I can't have it now. I'll have to wait. You insult me. Isn't that the world we live in? Demanding, demanding, demanding. This is life in the world you live in. But it is not how life is lived in the kingdom in which you have become a citizen if you are in Christ. Because patience is a Christian grace that the Spirit produces in you. No ifs, no buts, no arguments, no protests. Patience. And it's particularly important for the second reason and for the second point. Patience is godliness. Patience is godliness. The Lord... The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in truth and grace. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Aren't you glad the Lord was long-suffering with you? Aren't you glad the Lord gave you grace and time? Aren't you glad that he's patient with you still? You, O Lord, says the psalmist, you are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in mercy and truth. Nehemiah, we'll get to him eventually on Sunday mornings. He recalls in chapter 9 of Nehemiah how the nation of Israel repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly rebelled against God, committed all kinds of iniquities and idolatries against him. All of those kings of whom it's said they did evil in the sight of the Lord. What does Nehemiah say? Yet for many years you had patience with them. How long did God wait until eventually his judgment fell upon Israel? Was it days? Was it weeks? Was it months? No, it was centuries. Centuries. uh, Paul's desire for the Roman church, May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. According to Christ Jesus, because this is godliness. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. What patience and long suffering God shows to sinners in order that they might know His grace and His salvation. It is godly and it is Christ like to be patience. And I want you to note this. Impatience. Impatience is ungodliness, and ungodliness is sin. And you know, we have no greater example of patience and long suffering than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know why you should be patient, Think about him and his life and ministry in this world. At the age of 12, he spent three days in the temple in Jerusalem debating with the religious leaders who were utterly dumbfounded by his wisdom. And probably he had to exercise great patience as they struggled to keep up with him. Surely, even at this tender age, Jesus understood who he was, why his father had sent him into the world, and what lay ahead of him one day. And what patience, as he waited for 18 years for God's appointed time before his earthly ministry, his public ministry would begin. The patient teenager is there such a thing Jesus was you can be sure of it if you're a Christian teenager you can be a patient teenager the carpenter's apprentice the fully fledged tradesman in the carpenter's shop waiting waiting prepared to wait for the father's time He's our example. What patience as he taught his disciples, and let's face it, they were a bunch of ignoramuses at times, weren't they? If we were one of them, we'd be the same. But how patient he was with them. What patience as he was confronted day after day by the scribes and the Pharisees who so vehemently opposed him. What patience. What patience as he spent long, tiring days preaching and healing. What patience in the hands of his accusers as they plotted to kill him and he spoke not a word against them. What patience in the Saviour. What patience on the cross as while he was hanging there in agony he remembered his mother Mary and ensured that John would take care of her. And as he prayed for the forgiveness of those who were treating him with such wickedness. How patient your saviour was. How patient still he is. What patience for the man on the cross next to his own. As before Jesus gave up his spirit to his heavenly father. He waited so that he could lead this dying man into the kingdom and take him to glory with him. What patience there is in Christ. Is there anyone here and you think that it's beneath you to be patient? It was not beneath Christ. Think on that. How good are you at waiting? And the psalmist exhorts us to wait patiently for the Lord. What exactly does that mean? What does it look like? What does it involve? What does it mean to wait patiently? For the Lord. There is a massive clue in the verse. Can you see it? Can you see it? I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Is waiting for the Lord sitting motionless and passive in the corner? Is waiting for the Lord simply marking time in life until God decides to do something? Is waiting for the Lord simply twiddling your thumbs until something happens? No, it's not any of those things. Waiting for the Lord is an active crying out to God. Crying out in hope and in trust and in expectation that he is listening and that he will answer. That's waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord is acknowledging that God's ways are not your ways and so you've got to be ready for his way. Waiting for the Lord is acknowledging that God's timetable so often is not His timetable. And you've got to be ready for His time. We read these words in another of the Psalms. It's Psalm 88. Listen to this Psalm. O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. "'Incline your ear to my cry.'" See the similarities? "'My soul is full of troubles. "'My life draws near to the grave. "'I'm counted with those who go down to the pit. "'I'm like a man who has no strength, "'adrift among the dead, "'like the slain who lie in the grave, "'whom you remember no more "'and who are cut off from your hand. "'You have laid me in the lowest pit, "'in darkness, in the depths.'" Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You've afflicted me with all your waves. It's not finished yet. You've put away my acquaintances far from me. You've made me an abomination to them. I'm shut up and I cannot get out. My eyes waste away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I've stretched out my hands to you. Now isn't that interesting? As we listen to the psalmist pouring out his heart. Pouring out all of his troubles. Pouring out all of his pain. Pouring out all of his afflictions. But. Daily. 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 Daily, what, what is this? Here is an example of waiting patiently for the Lord. That's what it looks like. Crying out to God day after day after day. Crying out to God day and night. Confident that he is listening and that he will hear and that he will answer even in the midst of it all, when it might seem like he's silent. But the prayer goes on. The prayer goes on. Are you learning to wait patiently for the Lord? He goes on later in that same psalm, verse 13. But to you, I've cried out, O Lord, and in the morning, my prayer comes before you. It's coming to the end of the day. He's about to go to bed, still nothing. In the morning, Lord, I'll be back. You'll be hearing me again. He's waiting patiently for the Lord. Psalm 88 There's the prayer of one who is yet to see God's answer, but he never gives up, he never stops. Waiting patiently for the Lord isn't always comfortable. It can often be in the midst of trouble and affliction. Jesus told a parable. You can find it in Luke chapter 18. And he talks there. There's a widow in a city who comes to a judge. There's someone against her. She needs justice. He wouldn't for a while. Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Because she keeps on asking. Her continual coming. She's wearying me. And... Jesus is teaching that we should have that kind of attitude with God as that woman persisted before the judge for justice. We must persist before God in prayer. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Think about Paul's own experience that he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He opens up a little about a personal situation that he's been in, in the past. He talks in verse 7 about this thorn in the flesh that was given to him, a messenger of Satan to buffet him, to stop him from being exalted above measure. To stop him from thinking more of himself than he ought to. To stop himself from putting himself on a pedestal. This thorn in the flesh is given to him. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Waiting patiently for the Lord. And sometimes his answer is to increase his grace that you can continue and endure. Think of Jesus in Gethsemane. He kept being disturbed from prayer, but then he goes back again to pray. He was in the depths of agony, and yet he's able to conclude his time in prayer by saying, but not my will be done, O Lord, but your will be done. Because even when he's in such despair and torment, that waiting patiently for the Lord has not been abandoned. He's still there in that place. It might seem to us as if Christ's patience is being stretched to the absolute limit. But he's still there waiting patiently on the Lord, crying out to the Lord. When we look at Christ in the garden in Gethsemane, as he prays to God, as he waits patiently for the answer that God will give him. You know, to a large degree, I think Jesus was made ready for that night in Gethsemane by the fact that he was already accustomed to spending nights in prayer. I sometimes wonder when it was he first did that. We read about it in the Gospels when he's up and about his... Public ministry. Now this is purely speculation on my part, and it's not very often that you'll find me making speculations from the pulpit. I have a suspicion that the very first time that Jesus spent a night in prayer was long before his public ministry began. I have a suspicion that that's probably the case. Might it have been the fact that Joseph and Mary, sometimes in the evening as they were locking up the house... We were unable to find Jesus because he'd taken himself off to pray again. Maybe that was so. Because Jesus knew what it was to wait patiently for his heavenly Father. Jesus needed to wait patiently for his heavenly Father. And if he did, how much more do you and I? What was he doing? He was seeking his Father's will. He was needing to know his Father's strength and grace. He was needing to be able to submit himself to all of the plans and purposes that the Father had for him. He needed to prepare himself for the obedience to God's word that was necessary if he is to do that which the Father has sent him to do. When you learn to wait patiently for the Lord like this, surely it is there where you really learn what it is to trust the Lord with all your heart. Surely that's the place where you learn that. Trusting the Lord with all your heart as you patiently wait for him. As you cry out to the Lord like that, it's there that you cease to lean on your own understanding. It is there where you truly begin to acknowledge Him in all your ways, in full assurance that He will direct your paths. Because look at the experience of David in the opening verse of Psalm 40. When I did this, says David, when I waited patiently for the Lord, not screaming out your demands to him, not laying down your terms and conditions to him, waiting patiently for him, he inclined to me. What a thought that is. Yes. Go on, my child. Now you've got me listening. God listens to prayers like that. And he heard me, says David. He heard me. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James chapter 4, verse 8, we read these words, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know what it is to wait patiently for the Lord? You have the authority of God's word that if you want God to listen, This is how you may know that he is listening.